0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Don't worry, I have it all decoded for you. What the Susan Rice infamous, we're doing everything by the book, email really means. And yes, uh, believe it or not, it's worse than you can imagine. I will lay it out for you in intimate detail. You will know this up, down, and sideways when you're done. A few programming notes before I get started. I will be co-hosting again The Five on Fox at 5 o'clock this Friday, the 22nd. Please don't miss it. Set your DVR now. I always look forward uh, to you all checking me out where we can argue with people um, on The Five. You know I like that. And we will be doing an interview show this week with the great Sidney Powell, lawyer for Mike Flynn. It'll be a little bit of a longer form interview like usual, but we'll get to the bottom of a... I hate that term, get to the bottom. But we will get answers from Miss Powell, who seems to know the case up, uh, up, down, and sideways. So check that out. All right, let's get right to it. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today, I'm, sir? I'm doing good, man. And you're going to do the, the decoding, so we don't need the Bongino decoder ring no, this, this, or no, no, box. No, I don't need my own decoder. And, good anything. call, <laughs> buddy. Very good. Yes. Yeah. I'm walking you through this whole thing. It's going to get good. All Just right. remember this before you get started. Huh? Susan Rice knew. Mike Flynn knew. Yeah. And Susan Rice knew. Mike Flynn knew. Okay. All right, today's show brought to you by friends go. at Genu <laughs> Summer Summer's finally here, ladies and gentlemen. A summer like no other in many ways. And Shamani's celebrating you with uh, celebrating with a sale like no other. Right now get the classic Genu for bags and puffiness and the jawline treatment in Chamonix will double your order for free. Whether you're staying home, going back to work, or simply connecting remotely with your loved ones and coworkers, now's the time to say goodbye to puffiness, dark spots, crow's feet, and even firm up the delicate skin around the jawline and neck area. Your next Zoom or FaceTime will feel better guaranteed. You'll get compliments or get 100% of your money back. It's time for you to emerge strong, positive, confident, and beautiful. Order Gen You Sell Now and Chamonix will double your order free go to genucel.com and enter my special discount code at checkout dan30 that's dan30 for an instant coupon of $30 off your order it's a nice savings and for results in minutes the genucel immediate effects is also free uh, is also yours free plus free shipping get double your order free now all orders today are upgraded to free priority shipping genucel.com g e n u c e l.com genucel.com promo code dan30 checkout all right Joe, let's go <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, now we know the Susan Rice infamous January 20th, 2016, just moments after President uh, Donald Trump is sworn into office, Susan Rice sends an email to herself saying, don't worry, this whole spygate thing, Barack Obama investigating people using and weaponizing government to spy on his political opponents. Don't worry, he told everybody, do it by the book. There you go. Case case closed shows, of course, shows not over because that is just the beginning. There was something very suspicious, however, about that email. There was a large block of it redacted. Now we know why. Before I get to the redactions, we put up this Washington Examiner article. Be in the show notes today. Please check it out by the great Jerry Dunleavy. Uh, Bongino.com slash newsletter. You can check out the show notes. Here's a little summary of what happened with this thing. Fully declassified Susan Rice email reveals reluctance to share sensitive Russia information with Mike Flynn. Hmm. Interesting. Now, remember, Susan Rice, who was Barack Obama's national security advisor, and ladies and gentlemen, she's not knee deep. She's waist deep, if not neck deep, in all of these spygate malfeasance. Remember what I said to open up the show today? Mike Flynn knew, Susan Rice knew, and Susan Rice knew Mike Flynn knew. Keep that in your head as we go along here. This whole use of the dossier and political information to spy on the opponents, Susan Rice knows everything. Now, Susan Rice is a documented known fraud and an absolute liar of the highest order. Susan Rice has lied about Benghazi, the Bo Bergdahl situation. She was an Obama mouthpiece. Here's the problem with Susan Rice from what I've heard. Maybe not a problem for her, but the problem for sane people out there who had to listen to Susan Rice. I'm hearing from insiders that Susan Rice was one of the few people in the Obama administration towards the end that was willing to go on camera. There were a few and lie knowing she was lying about the Benghazi situation, Bo Bergdahl and elsewhere. She was just basically a puppet for Obama to go and put false information out there so Obama wouldn't have to embarrass himself. They sent Susan Rice out there. Here is Susan Rice in a clip you've probably seen a thousand times today, but worth, worth repeating here. Very short, a clip of Susan Rice on PBS. When asked about the unmasking and stuff we all now know happened. Matter of fact, we know Susan Rice's name was on an unmasking request for Mike Flynn. Here's Susan Rice outright lying about this whole thing. Check this out. During the transition after uh, uh, President Trump uh, had been elected, that he and the people around him may have been caught up in surveillance of foreign individuals, and that their identities may have been disclosed. Do you know anything about this? I know nothing about this. Okay, that's a lie. Uh, That's just a lie. She knows she's lying because her name, her name is on some of the unmasking requests. But, okay, you got all that. You know the background. Now let's give you the original Dan Bongino content, which uh, you're not going to get anywhere else, and explain to you the details of what really happened here. Why is Susan Rice in an absolute panic right now? Trust me, she is. Behind the scenes, they don't know what to do right now. Let me refer back to Sydney Powell, who we'll have on. I'll ask her about this during our interview. You're not going to want to miss this. We'll launch it probably on Friday. Um, we'll record it tomorrow, Thursday. So check this out. This is a legal brief. Susan uh, Sydney Powell, excuse me, she filed. And I want you to read this footnote because it's very important. She says, a letter delivered by the British embassy to the incoming national security team after Donald Trump's election and to outgoing national security advisor, Susan Rice, the letter apparently disavows former British Secret Service agent Christopher Steele and calls his credibility into question and declares him untrustworthy. Ladies and gentlemen, they had a problem. What happens after the shock election victory of Donald Trump? Barack Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice, who's been involved with Barack Obama the entire time, him and the Clinton team, are involved in the spying operation using FISA warrants to spy on Trump's team through the FBI. They know it relies, follow me here, absolutely 100% on this dossier they got from Christopher Steele, which is fake. After the election, from what I'm getting from sources, this is important, critical moment in the show here, (laughs) the United Kingdom freaks out. Their intelligence services realizes that they've been involved in this spying operation And they thought Hillary would win, that benefited Hillary. Hillary didn't win, and that now the incoming president is going to find out just how deeply involved the United Kingdom was in this. The United Kingdom is itching now to separate themselves from this former intelligence member, Christopher Steele. And they then send this letter to Mike Flynn, which Sidney Powell's already acknowledged in a legal brief. We know it's there. They send this letter to Flynn, who's the incoming national security advisor. He probably gets it in that December transition time frame. Susan Rice is still in office, Obama's still in office until January, and they say, hey, this steel guy, he's totally full of crap. What's the problem, ladies and gentlemen? It's obvious. Obama, Susan Rice, and her whole team been spying on Trump based on a fake document. Now the, even the United Kingdom is going to come out and disavow. They know they're in trouble. They know they've got nowhere to go. They've got no wiggle room. None of this has ever been corroborated. The Woods file on it shows that none of Steele's information was verified. They're going to have to admit eventually that they spied on Trump and his team with nothing, donut, goose egg, zero. Damn, what does this have to do with the email? Well, Susan Rice knows that Flynn knows because Susan Rice got the same letter. From the UK. Hey, the source you've been using to spy on Trump, he's uh, totally full of crap. Susan Rice got the letter too. She knows Flynn has the letter. She must be telling Obama we're in real trouble here. It's going to come out eventually. We spied on this guy and we have nothing. We're going to have to use all our apparatchiks in the media to get out and cover this thing up. And then flip the script. Remember that Tucker Carlson uses this line all the time, and I strongly encourage you to commit it to memory because it's true. The left always accuses you of doing what they're doing themselves. Why? Because they know the media are complete, utter malicious morons and terrible malfeasance actors. They know that. The left knows the media are either too stupid or too tactically engaging in malfeasance rather than misfeasance to know how to sift through narratives. The left knows all they have to do is say, Trump was colluding with the Russians, and the media will do no homework and parrot the narrative, and then that will distract uh, the general public from the real story, which was Obama had his team colluding with the Russians the entire time. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot emphasize to you, I don't want to get distracted here because it's going to be an important show. I cannot emphasize to you in strong enough terms how genuinely awful and corrupt the media is. I'm begging you, please ignore them. You have shows like this. You have writers like Chuck Ross and Dunleavy and Molly Hemingway and Sarah Carter and Solomon who are giving you the truth. The media are active conspirators in this entire collusion hoax. I'm going to show you how Ignatius played a role in this later from the Washington Post too. They know, they panic. This White House meeting happens on January 5th. This is the January 5th, 2016. uh, Trump's about to take office. 15 days later, Obama's team, they're freaking out. They don't know what to do because they're going to be discovered. The day before, as a matter of fact, the FBI tries to close the case on Flynn, knowing they have no derogatory information, and Comey gets involved. They then pop into the White House the next day And here is the email Susan Rice sends to herself, now in totally unredacted fashion, memorializing that January 5th meeting. And here's the paragraph we just found out about. Director Comey affirmed that he is proceeding by the book. This is the paragraph we've just seen for the first time as it relates to law enforcement. From a national security perspective, Comey Comey said he does have some concerns that the incoming NSA Flynn is speaking frequently with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. This is big trouble, ladies and gentlemen. He also says he has indication that, uh, he also says that he has uh, some indication that Flynn may have passed some classified information and that the level of communication is is unusual. That he could potentially could have shared that information. What are the takeaways from here? The takeaways in that email to herself, Susan Rice has sent, knowing this is going to be discovered, are, ladies and gentlemen, the cover-up begins now. So think of this as a the Obama two-step. Think of it as the Obama two-step. Number one, what are you laughing at? She's laughing at there, man. The first Obama two-step, step number one of the Obama two-step is first they have to cover up that they were spying on Trump. Because now they everybody's going to know the dossier they used and they swore to in court. This dossier is real, the PP tape stuff. They know it's fake. Even the, even the UK's not going to stand by it. They know it's fake. They're in big trouble. So step number one is the cover-up. Step number two is going to be the establishment of a counter-narrative. The counter-narrative, not that Obama colluded with the Russians or colluded with a foreign spy to spy on Donald Trump, as foreign spy being steel. It's going to be that Trump colluded with the Russians. That's all hatched on January 5th of this meeting. And Susan Rice, what, this is the cover-up begins, And the, here are the takeaways. There are two things in that that they didn't want you to see. They redacted up until yesterday. Number one. Comey's predicate from the FBI, because remember, in the email, Susan Rice is throwing Comey under the bus. She's saying in the email, to be clear, again, cover up and counter narrative. She's saying, oh, don't worry. Obama wanted to do everything by the book. And it was Jim Comey who had concerns here. Folks, Comey is an atrociously bad actor in this. But this attempt to minimize the role of Barack Obama by saying, oh, Comey had concerns about this frequent contact is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. Obama's running this whole thing. I have no doubt anymore. I'm going to get to that too in a minute. So the takeaways, Comey's concerns now going forward, according remember, this is according to Susan Rice in her own email, are frequent contacts with Kislyak. Notice they don't allege anything illegal. She, he only says that he could potentially be sharing info with him. Folks, that's absolutely none of Jim Comey's business. This is the incoming national security advisor of the United States. Even if the contacts were frequent, were they not? Notice he doesn't say he was sharing classified information. He says he could potentially be sharing classified information. In other words, Comey has nothing. Nada. He has nothing. The cover-up is going to be, from this point forward, to focus on Flynn and to nail Flynn because Flynn is going to be Trump's number one national security advisor. And if they can nail Flynn on anything with the Russians, they can continue the counter-narrative. Now, the cover-up part is going to be, if you read that email all the way through, at one point, Susan Rice indicates that Obama has concerns in there about sharing information with the incoming administration. Think about this. The peaceful transition of power in the United States has been entirely thrown out by Barack Obama. You have an exiting president getting ready to leave in 15 days. Now, according to Susan Rice's email, instructing the FBI and the Department of Justice, Jim Comey and Sally Yates from the DOJ, who were in that dreadful January 5th meeting, instructing them to not share information with the incoming administration regarding Russia. What do they really mean? Cover up Obama two-step. Step one, they don't really mean don't share information about Russia. What they really mean is don't share any information about the Russia hoax we created through this fake dossier. That's what that really means. So step one, Cover it all up. Don't share anything. We'll use the useful idiots in the media for a counter-narrative. Step two, we'll advance this counter-narrative by investigating Mike Flynn for ties to the Russians, and we can't even prove he did anything wrong. Now, fascinating question posed by Margot Cleveland on her Twitter. It's a good one. Hat tip to her. Margot Cleveland then asks on Twitter, she's an excellent attorney, writes for The Federalist. If any of this was true, any of this meaning Comey's has some suspicions, according to Susan Rice's email, that you know Flynn's talking to the Russians too much. If those concerns were legitimate and genuine, ladies and gentlemen, and they thought Flynn was a potentially compromised Russian agent who was going to be the incoming national security advisor, why didn't they brief Trump about it? Ah! <laughs> oh. Wait, wait, wait. You can't. No, 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 You can't have this both ways. You just documented in an email, Susan Rice, a meeting with Barack Obama himself, the outgoing president, where you claim the FBI told that president about some concerns about the incoming national security advisor potentially being compromised by the Russians, being some kind of a Russian asset because of his communications. And you didn't warn the president? You can't have it both ways. Either your concerns were legitimate that Flynn was a Russian agent and you threw the United States under the bus by allowing a Russian agent to take office and you never gave a defensive briefing to Donald Trump about it? Or the real scenario, you knew this whole thing was BS. You're trying to cover this whole thing up with this stupid email and you're just looking for a reason to continue this and posing this Logan acting to Jim Comey, who's then telling you, yeah, these Russian contacts are really suspicious. No, they weren't. They were total nonsense. No one believed this for a minute. Remember, now I'll explain the beginning, that Sidney Powell legal brief where she indicates Flynn got this correspondence from the UK about steel being full of crap is everything. Rice knows Susan Rice that Flynn got that email, got that communication. Flynn probably knows Rice has it too. Everybody now is staring each other down, knowing the other guy and other gal knows what the other guy and other gal knows. Rice knows The dossier is a fake. Flynn knows the dossier is a fake. And most importantly, Rice and Flynn know the other one knows the dossier is a fake. That they have been spying on the president based on garbage. This is absolutely critical. Now that they know the dossier is a fake, remember the Obama two-step cover-up counter narrative, the cover-up has to start. Let me get to that in a second. Let me get to my second sponsor, because this is going to be important, about how the cover-up starts. Because the cover-up portion of this is absolutely critical. All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends at NetSuite. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know your numbers, you just don't know your business. You got to go to NetSuite. If you're running a business, you got to know your numbers. The last few months have taught us what's important in life. It's also taught us that we we need to eliminate or change. It's the same for business. What are the changes you need to make? Do you have a uh, hairball of multiple software systems, none of them talking to each other, when you could streamline them with one? That's not an efficient business, all these different ones. You need NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one place so you save time, money, and headaches. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need over your business to manage with precision every penny. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide: Seven actions businesses need to take now. Schedule your free product tour as well at netsuite.com/bongino. Don't wait; it's more important right now to monitor every penny, know your business, and know your in your numbers. This is critical. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com/bongino. That's netsuite.com/bongino. Go today. Check it out. Thanks, Netsuite, for uh, joining the show. We appreciate it. So the January 5th panic, they have to start covering this whole thing up because why? Again, Rice knows, Flynn knows this whole thing is a farce and Steele's full of crap. So we have this National Review article I've referred to often by uh, Tobias, and I always say the name wrong. So uh, is it Hoonhout? I'm really sorry, Tobias. We'll just call you Tobias for now. Christopher Steele admits records of dossier claims interviews with primary sources were wiped in early January of 2017. Early January of 2017? You mean the same day, around the same time, this meeting's happening in the White House where the Obama team's freaking out because the UK's telling their team, this thing is crap, this dossier. They're like, we got a problem. We've been spying on this guy based on crap information. What do we do now? Well, who did we get the crap information from? Well, Hillary paid this guy through a law firm, this guy, Christopher Steele. Well, what if he has an email trail? An email trail from all of us showing how how this information's crap and how his sources were garbage and this wasn't real. I mean, the UK's going to out us. What do we do? I got an idea. If those emails disappeared, wouldn't that be great? Now, again, what are the chances on the same day the Obama team in the Oval Office with Jim Comey and the Spygate cabal, Rice, Brennan, Clapper, and all the Sally Yates, the whole cabal of idiots involved in this spying scandal, What are the chances on the same day they realize that this thing has gone really bad for them on the same exact day, January 5th of 2017, Mm. Christopher Steele's emails are just magically wiped? Well, let's go to the National Review article and check that out. From the article, this is a deposition, sworn deposition, Christopher Steele's giving in a lawsuit. He later elaborated Steele that not only were the documents relating to the Russian bankers deleted, but all other documents underlying his intelligence report, quote, were wiped in early January 2017. He also said the communications with Fusion GPS, the uh, the firm which funded the dossier, were deleted from his company's Orbis computer network on January 5th, 2017. Man, isn't that a quinky dink? White House realizes on January 5th they ain't going to be able to rely on Steele anymore. Why? Because the UK's already thrown him under the bus. We have the Sidney Powell legal finding. Flynn has been warned. This guy is full of crap. He's full of it. Panic ensues. Panic breaks out. What do we do? What do we do? We paid this guy to create a fake dossier and now everybody knows it. Well, we better wipe that paper trail clean. And conveniently on the same day, Steele's magical email trail with Fusion GPS, who was working for Hillary and paying Steele, all magically disappears. So what happens after that? Well, the FBI probably figures out through Jim Comey that, hey, we have some serious liability here. The guy we've been relying on is full of crap. We now know he's full of crap. We got to put some meat on this dossier and make it seem legitimate. This is a audience referee, Joe. Put your audience referee ombudsman hat on because this is important. Ready to go. This is a hat tip 279 or two. 279 turned me on to this point a long time ago. What the FBI should have done on January 5th is looked Obama in the face and said, listen, Mr. President, I'm very sorry. What we did was wrong. We spied on a presidential campaign. We had flimsy information to do it. The information isn't verified. We're going to have to come clean. We're going to have to take our medicine. And I'm very sorry you've been a part of this. Your presidential daily brief staff directed us to be involved in a lot of this. We, our people know the White House is running. This was one of the texts they sent. We're in a lot of trouble. We need to apologize. That's not what happened. What happens is, in this January 5th meeting with the Susan Rice email, and why this Rice email is so important, because she's throwing Comey under the bus. Comey said, we had legitimate concerns about Russia and shouldn't share that stuff with the incoming administration. She's throwing them under the bus. And Comey, I think, realizes he's going to get thrown under the bus. And again, this is the nuanced point here. They realize the dossier's crap and they know it, but it's time for Comey and the FBI and then Mueller, when he takes over, to try to put meat on the dossier bone. I've used that line a lot, and Mm -hmm. it's important. Mm -hmm. They make no mistake. They know this thing, this dossier, the PP tape stuff, all the allegations of Russian collusion in the dossier. That's the only place they exist, folks. They know it's garbage. Steele's sources are garbage. Steele made it up. He wipes his email clean. It's garbage. It is fake. This stuff is crap. But the FBI makes a critical and tragic decision in early January. Not only they interview one of Christopher Steele's primary subsources who tells them this is crap, the FBI decides it's time to put meat on the bone. In other words, they are going to go out and they are going to investigate the people in the dossier, Manafort, Page. They're going to investigate them anyway. And 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 through the Mueller probe later on, which is just a natural segue from the original conspirators. Because what they figure is, at this point, and I have no doubt this is the calculation, okay, they're going to find out this thing was crap, but if we can arrest the people involved in the dossier, our defense later will be, eh, Nelson Muntz, Eh-heh, my bad. We screwed up. The dossier's garbage. But hey, look, the people in there, Carter Page, Paul Manafort, and others, were really bad guys. Remember True Lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. they find out he's a spy, the wife. Did you ever kill anyone? Yes, but they were really bad guys. This is the Arnold Schwarzenegger true lies defense. Yeah, we knew the dossier was crap, but look, we arrested Manafort. They were really bad guys. So we may have screwed up, but we had the best intentions as evidenced by our investigation later. We were the good guys. They were the bad guys. That is exact. I call it the meat on the bone theory. Instead of just coming clean, they doubled down. We investigated all these people, Manafort and all of them, based on a false dossier. Now, instead of apologizing, these total hacks and tyrants double down and use the Mueller probe. And remember, Comey wanted the Mueller probe. He admitted it. I leaked the memos to my friend because I needed a special counsel. point. why? Because they needed someone else, supposedly independent of the DOJ, to go and continue this. Right. Can you imagine the tyranny here? The FBI uses a document to spy on a presidential campaign, lies about it, gets caught, and then decides in early January to double down and arrest the people anyway? They need meat on the bone. They double down, and they're going to continue on Flynn too. Now, here's where this gets interesting, and a big mega hat tip to at John W. Huber on Twitter uh, to take off on AUSA Huber. He's at Undercover Huber, just a great account. Remember, the whole reason this Rice email, this is where you're going to get on the show. You're not going to get anywhere else. You're not going to get this kind of analysis because we we pull the analysis of all the best people out there and we put them right here. You're not going to get this in a two minute segment anywhere. The reason Rice's email matters is because she's CYAing in this email and trying to tr- throw Comey under the bus because Rice knows the dossier is a fake. That is the story. The UK told her, I can't say this enough. That is the story because ladies and gentlemen, despite all the gaslighting, all the Pravda media nonsense, all the distractions, the red squirrel stuff, look, shiny object, all of that. The only story here is Obama spied on Trump using a fake dossier. That is it. Fake information. That is the story. All of what I'm telling you is FBI FBI efforts to cover it up and all of it. It's all an effort to cover that up and to continue it, the meat on the bone theory. They were really bad guys. Again, hat tip undercover Huber for this genius. He put out a genius thread yesterday. That's where I'm getting some of this from and I'll add to it later with some other stuff as well. Not only now do they know Steele is not credible and the dossier is junk, but they need to get their media people involved to start a new narrative. I have been telling you about this for two and a half years. Again, this is one of the big, big, big mega takeaways from this case for three years you've been getting here. And not in that many other places, unfortunately. The FBI now not only has to put meat on the bone of the dossier and say, well, that dossier, yeah, we used it, but those people were really bad, but that wasn't the whole thing. The FBI has to change the story as to the reasons they were investigating Trump in the first place. What's the reason? This is a quick quiz for the audience. The dossier! (laughs) It's the only reason. Yeah. But the FBI doesn't want you to know that. So they changed the story to what? Oh, we got a tip from the Australians about this meeting with this Trump foreign policy guy, Papadopoulos in London. That's what did it, not the dossier. It was Papadopoulos. And they used their media tools. Total losers in the media with not an ounce or shred of dignity or integrity. Total Pravda-like Soviets. They use the media to get this story out there. Where does that story first appear? In the Washington Post in December of 2017. With the infamous George Papadopoulos story. I, total gaslighting by the FBI. They feed it to lapdog losers at the Washington Post who without an ounce of critical thought print this story in December of 2017 about, no, no, this didn't wasn't a dossier, it was Papadopoulos. Mega hat tip to Huber, though. Later on, Ignatius writes this article, just about a month later in the Washington Post, and he doesn't even realize that Ignatius plays a role in entirely shredding the FBI's credibility with the dossier in an effort. This gets confusing, but Mm -hmm. Paula, I need you two on this one. Remember what the FBI's main goal through the Washington Post is? Get the public to believe the dossier was a secondary thing because it's fake and make everyone believe, no, no, a friendly government tipped us off with this Papadopoulos thing and this meeting. So there are two stories, two narratives. The real one, the FBI used the dossier. The fake story, Papadopoulos did it. Ignatius prints this article in the Washington Post just a month after the Papadopoulos origin story starts in the Washington Post. David Ignatius, January 16th, 2018. Again, just a month later, after the Papadopoulos origin story. The truth about the FBI's Russia pro. <laughs> Dave Ignatius, the truth. That's hilarious. Put that in. That's really funny. Now, keep in mind why he's writing this, because it'll make sense. He's writing this article, again, to distract you from the dossier, because they know it's fake, and to get you to pay attention to, no, 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 it was the Papadopoulos Australia thing. So look at this screen cap from the piece. I want you to, this is important. This is critical. Quote, Ignatius, Soviet, Soviet Ignatius. The FBI was now very interested based on the Australian account. Here they go with this Papadopoulos crap. Knowledgeable sources say the Bureau requested another meeting with Steele to dig deeper. That encounter took place around October 1st in Rome with Steele's old FBI contact. At this meeting, the FBI official asked Steele if he had ever heard of Papadopoulos according to an official familiar with the matter. Steele hadn't. Come back to me for a second. Just keep that ready because I may need to go back to that. Wait, Steele hadn't heard 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 of Papadopoulos. Steele hadn't heard of Papanopoulos in October? Well, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Remember, keep in mind, this is why my audience, you're so much smarter than everyone else. You're so prepared for this case. Ignatius is only writing this piece because he's a he's a parrot for an FBI leaker who wants to get you away. From the dossier story. So, in trying to disconnect the dossier from Papadopoulos story, Ignatius just takes this FBI guy, it's worth it, hey, and writes it that Steele hasn't heard of Papadopoulos. But, ladies and gentlemen, that one simple sentence, Ignatius was too stupid to figure out. Debunks and discredits the entire dossier, and he doesn't even know what he's doing. He thinks he's trying to parrot the FBI narrative. No, the Papadopoulos story did it. Look, Steele didn't even know about him. He doesn't realize what he's really doing is discrediting the entire dossier. Hat tip undercover Huber for a brilliant, brilliant find there. How? How does that one line that Steele doesn't even know Papadopoulos discredit? absolutely everything they did and rice and everyone else knows this and they're freaking out we got to go back to the ig report a little bit here let's go back to the ig, uh, the IG report and check this out this is them confirming in michael horowitz's ig report we looked at this this internal affairs investigation that the chs confidential human source that's Steele. See, he advised that he was not aware of Papadopoulos. So the Washington Post gets that right. Ignatius, Ignatius is too stupid to figure out what he's doing. So now we know that even according to the IG report, Steele has no idea who Papadopoulos is. I thought this guy, Joe, he's wired in Steele. Yeah. He's got all these Russian sources. That's right. Every, he knows all about PP tapes yeah. and the Trump team and this collusion deal. Yep. But he has no idea who Papadopoulos is. Uh, it's I mean, impossible. That's right. really weird. Let's go to IG report screen cap here, number two. If you'd like to read along at home, youtube.com slash Bongino. That's interesting because when they spoke to Steele and his uh, primary uh, subsource, they say that, for example, Steele identified a subsource, person one, who Steele said was in direct contact with Steele's primary subsource. And that person one is, quote, a a boaster or an, an egoist. Okay, come back. Let me translate that for you. It's Bongino translator. Talking. Yeah. Person one is believed to be an individual named Sergey Milion. So just to be clear, what that in the IG report is saying is that Christopher Steele's main source, what they call the PSS, Christopher Steele's primary subsource, the guys he's dealing with for all this fake stuff, we know is fake, but Steele says he's getting it from him, the PSS, primary subsource. The primary subsource says, I got it from Milion. You got it from Million. You sure? Sergey Million gave you all that? Follow me. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Let's come back to the IG report again. Interesting. Person, remember, person one is Million, who's allegedly talking to another person, steel source, who's telling this to steal. Back to the IG report. Person one again, Million, was the subject of an open FBI counterintelligence investigation. Ha <laughs> ha. What? So let me get this straight. Keep that up there for a bit because this is important. So Sergey Million has a counterintelligence investigation open on him too? Joe, who's really colluding with the Russians here? (laughs) The FBI's investigating a guy for alleged counterintelligence and suspicions that worry the United States so much and then they're allowing this guy to be a source for a guy? And they're using his information in court to spy on him? Come back to this. This is where it gets even better. Not only is person one, Million, have an open counterintelligence investigation, the New York field office opened the case after consulting with and notifying case agent one and uh, senior special agent one prior to October 12, 2016, when they, nine days before the FISA application was filed. What does that mean? I'm going to tie this in. Don't you worry. Who's SSA1, Senior Special Agent 1? Ah, it's Joe Pianca. You know Joe Pianca from yesterday's show? The same guy who interviews Mike Flynn at the White House January 24th with Peter Stroke, and they frame him for false statements. Remember that guy? Yeah. The same guy responsible for the Woods file? In other words, the file where they're supposed to check off the information, the dossier, and actually verify it? It's the same guy. Pianca knows everything. 279er thinks Pianca's cooperating that's why he wasn't fired he may be right I don't know all I'm telling you is Pianca we need to hear from you like stat Joe Pianca knows everything he interviewed Mike Flynn when he's framed at the White House for false statements he didn't make he monitored the dossier and maintained the file on the dossier that was never verified and apparently he knows about person one Sergey Milian, and a counterintelligence investigation person one the same guy they're using as a source to spy on Trump. You're using a guy you're investigating for suspicious ties to Russia to spy on Donald Trump. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what do I? Uh, Paul, this morning, Paul is asking me all these questions because she doesn't get how Susan Rice could be so stupid to send this email. Keep in mind my axiomatic truth about this case. This is a spy story for idiots. Stop thinking like normal people. These people are really dumb. Susan Rice knows this whole thing is based on a dossier, based on a source who said he got his information from another source who's already under investigation by the FBI. Now, this is where this gets really, really hairy. This is like Matrix. Follow, you know, my lady with the tattoo, follow the white rabbit. Sees Neo. Was person one Sergey Million? That's what Steele says. They got the information from Million through this other guy. Was he ever a source at all? Oh, <laughs> no. No, that can't be. Okay, let's go because it always can be. Let's go right back to the IG report just when you think this can't get any worse. This is from the IG report too. So the primary subsource, Steele's using, Steele's saying, I get my information from this cat, who's saying, yeah, and I get it from Million. The primary subsource from the IG report also told the FBI interviewers that he received a telephone call from an individual he believed was the subsource? But but wasn't certain of the person's identity (laughs) and that the person never identified themselves during the call? Um, By the way, it's an interesting footnote there sent over too that's in the IG report. I have to hat tip Stephen McIntyre at Climate Audit on Twitter for some excellent investigative pointers on this one as well. I love to be an aggregator of fantastic information. That's what BonginoReport.com is, by the way. So just to be clear, what's happening here? One of the footnotes indicates in that report that YouTube videos had emerged prior, and that Christopher Steele's source, who he says he's getting his fake dossier information from, that Susan Rice knows is fake at this point. Oh, you got it. Oh, nice. Here, let's read the footnote. Here's footnote three forty-five. Joe, <laughs> listen to this. This is hilarious. So the just the, the, the primary subsource is saying. I spoke to Million on the phone. How did you know it was Million? I didn't. I guessed. You never asked him? Strange. And how did he know it was Million? The primary subsource told the FBI agent that he found a YouTube video of the subsource speaking and it sounded like the person on the telephone call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this my- is hilarious. Oh. The guy on the phone, Steele's source, Steele's main guy, his deep throat who's saying, I'm getting the information from Million admits he never knew it was Million on the phone. I'll bet this call never even happened, by the way. Nah. And then says, well, I thought it was him because I saw a YouTube video and they have the same voice. Joe, this is not a trick question. I'm going to throw no. this out of you. Okay. When you call someone yeah. or someone calls you and you want to know who it is, how do you handle that? I, take well, a moment if you need to. think. You get a call number. How do you handle it? I would probably say something like, um, "Well, who is this?" <laughs> the verdict is in. Armacost is a genius. <laughs> you may want to ask who's on the phone, especially if you're going to spy on the president oh, based on that person's information. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You may want to bypass the YouTube video verification procedure and just say, hey, is this Sergey Million on the phone? <laughs> just a guess. Jeez. This is just a guess. You figured it out on YouTube. Folks, please. I again I had it with Paula this morning. For new listeners, Paul is my wife, but for those of you who don't know that, I got an email that I was confused about who Paula was. You must be a really new listener, but that's okay. Okay, I don't expect you to know everything. It's not some rando I have in my office here. She can't figure out either how they could be this dumb. They were. They were this stupid. They spied on a presidential campaign using information Steele gets from a guy who says he's getting it from another guy. And it admits he doesn't even know it was the other guy that his voice sounded like a dude he heard on a YouTube video. Now you know why Susan Rice is like, "Hey, uh, we got a problem here, dude." I, I've, I want to get back to this connection of Flynn in a second too, and I've got some other stuff. So I'm gonna, but folks, this really can't get any worse. Let me just tie it up for you in a neat little ball. There were a lot of details in there and a lot of meat on the bone. But the January 20th email was redacted for one reason and one reason only. It lays out the whole plot in one simple paragraph. Susan Rice knew the dossier was fake. Susan Rice knew they spied on Trump and his team because of a fake dossier. She knew it was fake because she knows everything I'm telling you here, that the information came from a fake source. She knows, Flynn knows, because he's got the letter from the UK saying this is all fake. Flynn is going to find out. They then hatch a plot in the White House to cover it all up using the media. Let's change this dossier narrative to a Papadopoulos narrative. And then let's accuse, counter accuse Trump of colluding with the Russians, which is in fact what they did. Morons. All right, one more point before I get to my uh, my last sponsor of the day and I get some other good stuff here, because I got another point on Flynn that's important. The gaslighting going on is ridiculous. Remember the big scandal here. They used a fake dossier to spy on the president. That is it. I can't say this enough. So Once in a while, I get an email from you. Dan, you're very repetitive big for a reason. And I'm very sorry. I can't have anybody having any guesswork about what's going on here. Anyone. At the risk of repeating myself. It's that important. This is the scandal they want you to forget about. But I said to you, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, from a quality source here, that even though the dossier was fake, it's a fake dossier and everybody knew it, Flynn, Rice, everyone, Obama, the names they tagged to it to give it a patina of authenticity were real. That's scandal number two. Scandal number two. The dossier is fake and everybody knows it. But real people who were real sources for the intelligence community, their names were pinned to this. This information came from Joe. This came from Bob. What's the problem? Joe and Bob had no idea. Joe and Bob were like, what the hell are you talking about? I didn't say any of that. Some of you entrepreneurial listeners are now saying to yourself, Well, if I'm trying to set up Joe, I say Joe robbed the bank and I say I got the information from Paula, the FBI interviews Paula and goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I never said that. The $64 quadrillion question then is, how the hell did they get Paula's name? Steele didn't know any of these people. Steele didn't know Papadopoulos. Because you're probably wondering that initial, but I'm sorry, I should. Steele didn't know Papadopoulos. Million knows Papadopoulos. Million has been dealing with Papadopoulos. Million has a relationship with Papadopoulos and Steele doesn't know any of them. You get it? Full circle? Steele doesn't know any of this. How does Steele not know Papadopoulos? Steele's saying his source is getting the information from Million. Million's met with Papadopoulos five times and Steele has no idea who he is. None. Joe, does this make sense? Yeah. Steele doesn't know yeah. any of these people. They're making this up. The only question is, where did they get the names from? Somebody had access to a file of sensitive U.S. sources and gave someone names to give to Christopher Steele to tag fake information with to make it seem real. Is that where Million's name came from? Remember, there was an open counterintelligence investigation on Million. Who gave them those names? Can you imagine if upper-level intelligence and law enforcement officials in the Obama administration took names from sensitive U.S. sources giving information to the U.S. government and put their lives in danger and gave those names to a paid political operative for Hillary, the Fusion GPS steel crew, and said, say this came from them, it'll seem real? Oh, oh, boy. All right, this gets even better. Before we get to that, today's show brought to you, I needed this this morning, my friends at Teeter. Teeter. Teeter is the best inversion tables in the business, hands down. With a Teeter inversion table, you use gravity and your own body weight to decompress your spine and relieve pressure on your discs and surrounding nerves. I love this thing. It's legit. This thing is the real McCoy. I use it sometimes twice a day. I use it after my workouts, especially after deadlifting, to decompress and open up my joints and my back. Decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition to anyone's daily routine to maintain a healthy spine, supple joints, and active lifestyle without the pain. If you have back pain, if you don't have back pain, start now on your teeter inversion table. Invert every day. Keep your back and joints feeling great, nice, healthy, and supple. I'd be lost without it. Some products I talk about I use regularly, some I don't. This one I use twice a day. It is the real deal. Over 3 million people put their trust in Teeter. They've been the best known name in Inversion Table since 1981. Super easy to set up, too. For a limited time, you can get Teeter's new upgraded model of the Inversion Table, the Teeter Fit Spine, with bonus accessories, their stretch max handles, and an easy wrench ankle system. Makes it easy to get in and invert real, real quick. Plus, <clears throat> a free Inversion program app for the ultimate Inversion experience. Teeter Inversion Tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon and are rated at 4.9 stars. And with this deal, you'll get $150 off when you go to teeter.com slash Dan. That's T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk to you to try it out. You're going to love it. Remember, you only get the new Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table Plus free inversion program app by going to teeter.com slash Dan. That's T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. Check it out. I love this thing. You get a little teeter high from It clears my clears my brain out too I'm sure that's not the original intention but I love it good for my back good for my hips good for my shoulders all right the story is just so devastating you know uh well, it's just a quick point of personal privilege Paula remember a couple of years ago we we found this story for so fascinating and Paula and I would sit at the table and the show would be exploding by the day and remember our conversations were like it's all going to end and <coughs> excuse me we'll have to go back to talking about mundane stuff it's never going to end because this story just every day just keeps getting better about how stupid these people were. Steele's really credible. He is. It's funny. All of his sources don't seem to know anything. All of his sources say they're talking to people they found on YouTube. And then when you ask Steele about one of his sources and his connections with Papadopoulos, Steele says he doesn't even know Papadopoulos, but the FBI is trying to tell us the Papadopoulos stories which started the whole case. That's just amazing. Showing you the gaslighting going on here, too. Here is uh, now just a fully discredited former uh, Intel official who has zero credibility anymore. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, It pains me to when I mean that. Uh, Mike Morrell, former deputy director of the CIA, who wrote an embarrassingly awful gaslighting Soviet-style op-ed in the Washington Post. Here it is. Um, This guy's lost his mind a long time ago. So Mike Morrell, Washington Post, the only culprit in the Flynn unmasking scandal is the Trump administration. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go again with this myth fairy tale that the Flynn call with the Russian ambassador on December 29th was unmasked. In other words, the FBI story and the media story and the now Mike Morrell story, now fully discredited uh, human being, is what? It was all accidental. We were listening to the Russians and we just caught Flynn by mistake. Folks, that's what the unmasking myth is. Flynn's call was not unmasked with the Russians on December 29th. Other calls were. That was not There are no unmasking requests around the date of that call. That is just not true. The FBI has the call on December 29th. There are zero unmasking requests for Flynn's call on December 29th, the same day the call happens, December 29th of 2016. Please stop, Mike Morrell. Now, from his op-ed, showing you how he's just gaslighting you. This unmasking, it's not unmasking. Stop lying. He said, some have speculated these unmasking requests. Here he goes again must mean that the requesters were hunting for and knew they were unmasking Flynn. Ladies and gentlemen, none of this is true. There's no unmasking. This is nonsense, Flynn says. The whole reason for making an unmasking request, that didn't happen, by the way, is to reveal a name that an official doesn't know and they need to know to do their job. Indeed, there's no way of even knowing whether the unmasking requests were aimed at the U.S. person who was Flynn. All right, get this. I can't even take this guy anymore. Notice what he does there. Some of you may have picked it Mm -hmm. out. Some may not. If Flynn was unmasked, his name was just found because they, they found some guy talking to the Russians, and oh, well, golly, it happened to be Mike Flynn. The Obama narrative, the cover up, remember the January 5th Hatches plot, is going to be this was all by mistake. We just listened to the Russians and we happened to incidentally catch Flynn. We weren't, as, as Morrell, Mike Morrell, says in his Washington Post uh, ridiculous op-ed. Joe, we weren't hunting for Flynn's name. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, they weren't hunting for Flynn's name. Has Morell even read Andy McCabe's book, which we've now put on three or four times in the last few days? Andrew McCabe, deputy director of the FBI, in his book, The Threat, How the FBI Protects America in the Age of Trump, has already admitted that this was a request from the PDB staff, the presidential daily brief. They issued a request to the intelligence community from Andy McCabe's book, They Be in the PDB. Anyone who had information on the topic, that's Flynn and the Russians, was offered to, uh, was uh, was uh, invited to offer it for consideration. Listen, it goes on. In response to that request, the FBI queried our own holdings. We came across information indicating General Flynn had held several conversations with Ambassador Kislyak. Ladies and gentlemen, it's right there. Did Mike Morrell not read this? Andy McCabe is admitting they went hunting for Flynn's phone call at the request of the presidential daily briefing staff. Do you not believe him? Why would he? Andy McCabe is a known liar, by the way, but I don't understand why he would lie about that. Knowing there's a paper trail in his own book, the PDB staff, the presidential daily briefing staff, there's going to be a paper trail that request. He's not lying. He can't. morell's lying to you to get you to believe this was all an accident and that they weren't, quote, hunting for Flynn when McCabe has already admitted they were hunting for Flynn's calls. Oh, my gosh. People fall for this stuff. It's so ridiculous. All right. A couple other stories unrelated but as we're wrapping up the show, but they're important. So Jerome Powell, who's the chair of the Fed, made a pretty stunning admission. Not really stunning in economic terms, but stunning in that he was willing to admit for the first time something I've warned you about in the show in the five years I've been doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, we are essentially printing monopoly money now. We are printing money that is no basis in value. When you think about what money, and I know I'm going to get a lot of emails from people uh, on this topic, and that's fine. I appreciate it. But you're not going to convince me otherwise that money is some money fairy type object, and it doesn't matter. People don't know how much is in circulation, so it's not a big deal. We can print that way out of this, mo- mo- you know, modern monetary theory stuff is terrific. I'm, I I, list, I read them, I listen to them, I respect your opinion. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Money is an exchange of value, right? If someone works, they're building refrigerators, whatever it may be, you give them money in return, that money's supposed to represent the value they put into it. That's what it is. If you don't believe that, and you believe you could just print it doing nothing, that's called counterfeiting. Um, that's what we're doing right now. Jerome Powell gave an interview at 60 Minutes. I have the transcript here. I, I pulled this off uh, Congressman Tom Massey's account. And he basically admits it. So he's asked by Scott Pelley of 60, 60 Minutes. He says, uh, you know, fair to say, this is the chair of the Federal Reserve, by the way. Uh, he says, it fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Powell says, well, yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Scott Pelley says, well, where did it come from? Did you just print it? Here's Powell. They're just admitting it. Yeah, we print it digitally. So as a central bank, we have the ability to create money digitally, and we do that by buying treasury bills or bonds for other government-guaranteed securities, and that actually increases the money supply. We also print actual currency, and we distribute that through the Federal Reserve Banks. Folks, do you really believe we can print up trillions of dollars digitally, paper-wise? doesn't really matter. Whether you spend it on a credit card or you spend it in the store, you're still doing a transaction. You really believe we can do this? Without creating more products and not create mass inflation, I'm just asking you to do some simple math here for the haters who don't like when I talk about this stuff. If you're going to print 3 three to $4 trillion in extra money, probably more by the time we're done with this, and insert it over a series of years into the economy since we started doing quantitative easing probably close to a decade ago, and they're chasing the same amount of products, how are the price of those products not going to go up? It's not possible. Inflation, as Milton Friedman says, is everywhere. A money printing phenomenon. It is. I worry about that because in the future, when this money starts to hit the system and economic activity picks up and the velocity of money picks up as money starts to spin around the economy, money going around the economy slowed down in the shutdown. And all of this new cash printed digitally and printed in real, actual, tangible, touchable, feelable money starts to chase computers and equipment and cars and gasoline again. We may be looking at a era of inflation like we have never seen in American history. I've warned you about it repeatedly over and over. Um. All right, another quick note at the end of the show. I like to throw these in at the end. And uh. ode to our old sticky notes. Before, remember we used to do that, Joe? Sticky uh, notes. Sticky notes, yeah. The sticky notes. Remember, I, I love that. One of these days, we should play that liner again. Do you still have that laying around? Yeah, hanging around for the old, That's the old, old listeners, man. Yeah, Holy Moses. You have to be like an original pre-628 listener. I saw this on the New York Times account. Before we get to it, this is their tweet. The New York Times, which obviously are, you know, full-blown collusion hoaxers and gaslighters, they're terrified. They're terrified along with the Washington Post and the other liberal activists out there because they're afraid people are getting red-pilled everywhere. What's red-pilled? Red pills become—it's a, a takeoff on the on the Matrix. Remember the Matrix, where Lawrence Fishburne says to Neo, "You know, you take the red pill or the blue pill, and if you take the red pill, you'll be—you'll you'll wake up from the Matrix." Well, we talk about red pilling people. Obviously, red pill meaning wake up and become a conservative and stop buying all this liberal nonsense. Elon Musk tweeted out something about being red pilled the other day. And the New York Times is freaking out. And what do they always resort to when leftists and full-blown activists like the New York Times are in a panic about conservatism taking hold in the culture? They accuse conservatives of racism. Here it goes right here. I'm not kidding. Uh-oh. You want to make a car company racist? They do it, right? I'm not messing with you. Here it is the New York Times. Tesla owners are grappling with the new fact that their cars may carry new connotations after Elon Musk tweeted about taking the red pill, a reference to the Matrix that has been co-opted by the right and discussed in... In misogynistic and racist forums. Here we go, folks. They can't. This is why I'm telling you, please, I'm begging you with humility and the greatest of respect for you and your brains, ignore these utter complete morons. The New York Times probably has a sign in its office whenever they get worried about conservatives starting to crack into the culture. The culture. Forget the politics, the culture. Elon Musk, actors and celebrities. Kanye West types, people who, you know, think for yourself. I say, I don't take any of my advice from celebrities, car owners, or anyone else. I'm simply suggesting to you, they don't want conservatism and freedom to ever be cool or edgy. So when a society as good and benevolent as ours, Joe, what's the the quickest and easiest path towards making something not cool, fresh, hip, edgy, and new to people? To call it racist because we're a good country and mm-hmm. racism is one of the worst things you can possibly tar on someone that's their sign up in the office whenever you see someone starting to gain headway in the culture just accuse them of being a racist and just totally make it up now a reference to the matrix about a red pill ironically offered to neo by a black man lawrence fishberg is somehow racist. They're totally making this. These people are the worst dregs of society you have ever seen. If there is a growing, festering cancer in this country, it's being done by activists, and not the good journalists, by activists in the media who have entirely wrecked this country. They've destroyed it. They will never tell the truth about anything. It's really gross. All right, folks, about those Biden calls, I'm still working on it. I addressed it yesterday. I just want to be sure These Biden calls, many of you have heard them. They're on YouTube. I'm hesitant to put it out on the show until we can verify it. They're pretty damning, if real. They're pretty devastating. They are alleged to be calls with Joe Biden, John Kerry, and the Ukrainian uh, President Poroshenko. If those calls are real, they're devastating. You may say, why didn't I bring them up? I'm still waiting because there's some friction there. I think that's why a lot of news outlets are waiting. Some of the dates and times don't appear to marry up right, but I didn't forget about it. We're working on it. I have an interesting piece up in the show notes from Red State today about it. You can read it if you want to see what's in there. But the calls, as I said to you on yesterday's show, if true, could be really damning. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Thanks for been trying to get the 500,000 subscribers. We'll be there soon. Thanks to you. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.